You're listening to the best of the Tom Bernard Show.com, brought to you by Bradshaw and Bryant. Who, me? <laughs> so I'd like to know if I was married to a horror piece of shit. <laughs> you could just look at her license. My. Special stripe. That was amazing. Oh my gosh. Coming by sweet corn, potatoes, onions, pickles. It's not how you use them, sir. (laughs) (laughs) It's really sickening that anybody would be into radio this much. It is un-goddamn believable. I think I'm going to hell. I just realized it. Thank you, Tom. You're just delicious. (laughs) (laughs) This is why I drink. We're here today with Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant. Michael, what's going on? You know, we keep getting phone calls, and it's interesting because people try to handle a lot of stuff on their own, or they try to talk to the adjusters, or they wait, um, and they think maybe it'll cost them money if they talk to me. And, you know, we tell them it's free to talk to us. Um, I go through what their rights are, and, you know, we try to help them as best we can. We don't sign everyone up. Sometimes I just give them advice, and they go from there and then call us back later. But the key is is that they don't know all their rights or they're not told all their rights by the adjuster. And that's one of the things we try to make sure that they get, you know, they get that understanding uh, so they can help themselves and their families as best they can. And the number is? Is 800-770-7008. Or at the website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Brad, Sean, Bryant, Michael Bryant, thank you. Seeking justice for the injured, Brad, Sean, Bryant. Back everybody to another episode of the best of the Tom Bernard podcast, brought to you as always by Bradshaw and Bryant. Kicking off the show this week, we had comedian Tom Rhodes back in studio with his patented Tom Rhodes super funny guy shtick. Next on the best of. Yeah, we have that talk and text line there. For some reason, the fill-in guy sent me a text. was how much the guy hated my guts. <laughs> I'm like, well, it's nice to read on the air. <laughs> so I read it on the air, and I went, you know, basically we both win because you don't have to listen. And now I, I looked at criticism, so I may have learned something from this. Why open yourself up to that? <clears throat> like, I don't like Twitter at all. It's, uh, I don't either. I think I it's, it's the it. hate faucet. And why should any moron... Have uh, direct contact with Couldn't me. agree. I don't get it. Couldn't agree more. Seriously, you're absolutely right. Those people, and, and by the way, they don't have to stand here or just sit here face-to-face with you and say it to you. Yeah. They just, oh, I, my name is, you know, Bill Burditzman. Yeah, sure it is. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure Burditzman. your name is Bill Burditzman. Yeah, uh, I uh, I got off Twitter seven years ago. Oh, my God. Good good choice. I did. I, I, um, I've been contemplating that myself. I would. I, it's just not worth it. I've Literally. never been on Twitter, and I never will be. I mean, that's a wise choice. I um, was on a podcast for comedians uh, called Kill Tony a few weeks ago, and I was talking about the movie The Joker. And yeah, I, right. um, I, I I thought it was a strong film, but I didn't care for it because I of the story. Right there with you. And um, I got this massive backlash because I had given away the ending of the movie. How? Well, the movie. Uh, it, okay. I mean, he's the Joker. Spoiler alert! For <laughs> I hate those words, but if you're so sensitive and you don't want to hear the the ending of the Joker, please 
go away right now. Um, <laughs> I didn't like The Joker because it's a movie about an open micer who kills a more famous, successful yeah, comedian. That's correct. If you boil the film down, that's what it's about. And, you know, why couldn't The Joker have been like a brilliant, great comedian? Right. And, um, you know, I thought the movie leaned a little too hard on the, the mental illness, and I didn't like that, you know, he was, he was an open micer, like a, um, you know, an untalented person. Right. So I got this massive backlash on, I mean, not massive, but, you know, uh, a handful of hate-filled messages and, and all this. And, like, why so, why do I have to, you know... But it's um, a movie. You don't have to like every movie. Why do they care? Well, I mean, why do we have to wait till everybody who every guy who lives in his uh, mom's basement to find the quarters <laughs> under the couch cushions to see the movie? It's, right, right. It had earned twenty two hundred and seventy seven million dollars by then. So, oh, you know, well, how how long does it have to be until we can talk about films or things that are happening in the world? And you and you ask why do we have to like the movie because they want to feel vindicated because mm-hmm. they like the movie. Yeah, and if you like the movie, then they feel vindicated. Oh, I just love how people ask for your opinion, you give it, and then they don't like you anymore. I literally, honestly, whenever I say my prayers at, at night, I go, you know, God, whatever Tom Rhodes thinks, just let me think that way. <laughs> so every night We're I usually on the same page, so your, your, your <laughs> prayers are just, you know. My prayers would be an answer, One baby. after another, baby. <laughs> one after another, they jump. I did think... Um, Joaquin Phoenix is a hell of an actor. A brilliant um, performance. He is an amazing And, you know, actor. it was a powerful piece of art because yes, it got such yes. a strong reaction out of me. So, I mean, you know, it was yep. worthy, and I yep. recognize that. But I do agree with you. I didn't care for the movie either. It's First of all, it was way too long. I mean, two hours and 40 minutes or whatever it was. It's like, would you is pick up the pace for God's sake? At least It was at least two and a half hours. Hmm. But his acting, Alec Baldwin was terrific in it. Uh, not Al Baldwin. Uh, uh, Robert was it? Robert De Niro played. What did he play? He played like a Johnny Carson. Yeah, type that's right. Character. Robert De Niro played. That's right. De Niro played the Johnny Carson. That's who I was thinking of. De Niro, who's apparently lost his mind. Is it now? Is he dumped his wife and he dumped this? He's got all of a sudden. De Niro's dumped everybody now. What the hell is that all about? I think he goes through periods where he might be a little hard to get along with. You think just maybe? And now it's like the hell of an actor once again. Have you seen The Irishman yet? No, I can't wait. I do want to see it. Yes. Yeah. But again, three and a half hours long. I mean, like a Scorsese movie is like a Quentin Tarantino movie. It's an event. Yeah. You know, yeah. you yeah. feel um, obligated to go see it. But it's going to be on <clears throat> Netflix, so you can watch part of it. Four, four, four 45 minute segments? <laughs> yeah, you can split it up. What, what, they're going to break it up? No, I am. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> He'll have his intermissions. I'll have my intermissions. <laughs> Go on out to the lobby. It's really phenomenal. It'll be terrific. Oh, my God. I have always loved movies. One of the things about being a poor kid, going to the movies is a very big deal for me. I think I think uh, cinema is man's highest achievement. I think you're. I right. think I've educated myself watching documentaries and foreign films. No doubt about it. I, I agree with you. I another uh, prayer answer, uh, Tom. Yeah, see, <laughs> Tom, I'm thinking just like Tom Rose. Thank you, God. Um, no, it, it, it used to be an hour and a half, and you would go and you'd either learn something or you'd be touched by emotion or whatever. And now there's always, it's three and a half hours long, and about two and a half hours of that is political messages, which I am so, yeah, I understand, you know, we can work on a lot of things, but I'm just here to be entertained, I really am. I mean, I want some popcorn and spill it all over my seat and look like a total douche when I get up and leave, because the place is a mess, you know. But, 
Although I do <coughs> love going to the movies with my wife. I don't know if you remember Catherine or not, but she's a very, very, uh, very strong-willed woman. Catherine is. So basically, if I go to the movie with her uh, and somebody starts to talk, she will go, shh, like that. And then if they don't quiet down, she points to me and then goes to them and goes, shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, oh, okay, honey, so I'm the cops. No, I'm the cops. <clears throat> That's there great. He is. It's like, Greg, Catherine. You're the one who's got to fight. Yeah, and I'm the one that has to go over, you know, and said, Laurie, thanks, Catherine. Oh, I'll wait here, Tom. I'll I'll just wait here. I lived with a French woman in San Francisco years ago, uh, Natalie. And uh, we'd go to the movies, and like if someone would sit in front of us, she'd go, she'd go, "Oh no, baby, they're not going to sit in front of us, are they?" <laughs> and then they would get up and leave. It like worked every time. <laughs> oh no, baby! <laughs> no, baby! I love that. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> now are you going to be going to the movie with the French woman again? Now that you're a single man. Uh, no, I'm still very good friends with Natalie, and um, and I go to Paris once a year. It's my favorite city. Um, but I, uh, I I met a new uh, woman that I've been oh, dating, and um, I go to the movies with her. Really? No, by the I saw the Joker with her. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to just, by looking in your eye. I'm trying to go. Wonder which way I should take this, just by the look at your eye. <laughs> it's one of those. There's deals. so many ways to go. <laughs> no, but it's cool. What I really like is you talk about the fact that you and your wife have divorced, you know, but it was an amicable divorce. And you yeah, we're still so really good friends. Yeah, uh, there was no infidelity, no major crisis. Uh, you know, we just evenly divided the money. She, uh, I still love her. She's like family. And she's actually uh, working for me now. Yeah, you were telling me that. That's uh, great. Which is, it's amazing. It and is amazing. Uh, no one I've ever met who got divorced had a friendly, happy story. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. you know, I still care deeply about the woman. Do you like the, just the simple stuff about this? With Catherine, Catherine and I have been together now, going on 39 <clears throat> years, been married for 33 years. Uh, it's been great, no doubt about it. And I'll tell you one, something happened yesterday, which explains why I love my wife. I mean, there are many, many reasons, but the fact that she will laugh about anything. We're, uh, yesterday we're going out to dinner and it's time to wheel the trash down to the, to the curb for pickup on Friday morning. So as I'm bringing it down, she's about, I don't know, 70 feet behind me. She goes, Tom, wait, wait, wait. I said, what? She goes, there's a little poop bag from the dog. I said, well, just throw it down here. I'll put the lid up and you just throw it down here, right? So she's like 70 feet away and she takes it and whips it. It hits off the, because you know, I got the lid open. It hits the lid and goes right in. Ten minutes of her celebrating the fact that she made it. <laughs> this is why I love that woman. For ten minutes, she's celebrating the fact that she sunk a bag of turds into a trash can. And you supported her those whole ten minutes. It's a quality woman right there. If she can laugh about that, she can laugh about anything. Yeah. It's great to have somebody who laughs. Oh, you know, um, My new girlfriend is, is very funny. Uh, laughs, uh, thinks I'm hilarious. and um, Everybody does. I mean, oh, well, she must not be a comic, though. Uh, no, but she's uh, an uh, she's a comedy aficionado. So mm-hmm. she had <clears throat> she had been to Rome, and uh, we were, I was talking with her about the, the the Vatican museums, and the time I had been to the Sistine Chapel twice, and she said um, she remembered when she had visited the Sistine Chapel. She remembered looking up at the ceiling and thinking, 
Are you mean you mean to tell me there's 15 more of these? See, <laughs> <laughs> now that is quality. That's hilarious. That's quality yeah. right yeah. there. Man, I was just going to say in the hood, we used to call it the 16th chapel. 16th chapel. That's the same joke. <laughs> there it is. Joke, baby. There yep. it is. <laughs> Maybe she's from your neighborhood. <laughs> I kind of doubt it. <laughs> you might be. You never know. I, I knew the one white person in my neighborhood. Hey, you didn't say she's white. <laughs> Maybe the comedy writers were just eavesdropping in your neighborhood. <laughs> The guys at the barbershop reading the paper were making diligent notes. <laughs> A lot of humor happened there, though. Are the black barbershops still in business? Yes. God, I used to love that when I was a kid. And you go in those black barbershops, and they'd be everybody was Joe Lewis, man. Yo. Joe Lewis, whoop your ass. There's a black barbershop in my neighborhood on Fairfax Avenue. Really? And they've got a, a neon sign, and it says, uh, "What would Kanye think?" <laughs> I love that. He changed his name. Yeah. What is it now? His name is not official yet, but he changed his name, and it will be official. His new name is Christian Genius Billionaire Kanye West. <laughs> Wow. It's five I should change mine to struggling to pay the rent. Uh, <laughs> I'm to pay the rent, Tom Rose, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, oddly enough, my, um, my new girlfriend loves Kanye, and um, she told me he's a genius, and that his first five records are genius. So I've got the first three, and I've been listening to them, and um, I have to say, the man is a genius. Is he a Christian and I always a billionaire, thought, though? Uh, and I, I, I think it's interesting he's doing this Christian revival thing. It's, yeah, it's very yeah, overpriced. Uh, I talked to someone who just went to the show. They had the... Um, she was wearing... He was a comedian in L.A., and she was wearing Kanye's concert shirt, and it just said, Jesus is king on the on the shirt, and mm. she said it cost $170. <laughs> That's why he's king. Oh, my He gets God. a cut. In the concert yeah, shirt? Yeah. Jesus will not be undersold. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I, I squabble when I have to pay 45 bucks Jesus for saves up to buy expensive concert <laughs> yeah, shirts. Saves up to $170. I was going to ask, is he genius because he's getting people to buy that crap? Or what? Yeah, yeah you know. it must be. Crap? That's kind of negative. <laughs> Can't be. I'm, as you can tell, I'm not a fan. No, you never have been a fan of Kanye. And it was long before the the slavery comment. Because I actually understood what the knucklehead was trying to say when he made the comment. What slavery comment? <clears throat> the, that, uh, the, oh, the whole that problems for blacks is they still had the slavery mentality or something like that. Or that they, that. They, they had allowed it to happen. Right. Or something like the that. Blacks and I never, I never liked, I never liked oh. Kanye for, because <laughs> I thought he was such a moron <laughs> in like public statements and things. And that's why I would never give his music a chance. Right. And only because my, my girlfriend loves him so much, I was like, alright, I'll give this a whack. Was your girlfriend but, uh, 19 or what was it? Not much older. There you go, baby. This was ah. Well, Catherine's nine years young, younger than me, but I'm guessing she might be a little less or a little more than nine years younger than you. Just yeah. <laughs> hey, Dave and I are fourteen years apart. It's all fourteen right. Fourteen years. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. No, I just aren't you like sixteen? No, I wish. God, Tom, I wish I could go back to high Tom, school. Tom. <laughs> Guess how many kids she has? Uh, I know because we're friends on Facebook. <laughs> oh, that's right. Like four kids, it. right? No, more than that. Wow. But, well, I have three of my own. Yeah. And but between Dave and I, we have eleven total. Oh my god. <laughs> I 
They got <coughs> so, the last time I was here two years ago, we became very good friends, and we See, uh, that's how it should be. He, he support each other best. on on Facebook. And I stuff. love it. Yeah, yeah, he just said, "Give Tom my best." So he's busy working, and then we're also going to Galaxy Con. We're going to be tonight. there all weekend. Yeah, tonight, tomorrow, and Sunday. Say hello to George to Cave. <laughs> <laughs> George so, is a big fan. Yeah, <coughs> it's fun going to those though. I is I it? miss it. Yeah, I've never been to one. They're they're fun it, just to see people walk around in their costumes and just how much they have a passion for something. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just kind of fun just to meet people. And those are probably the people that I upset by giving away the end of the joke. I wonder how many jokers I'm going to see at this this oh, uh, yeah. Galaxy Con. Jokers? The oh, oh, so they all Joaquin doll up. Phoenix Joker, I'm sure. Yes. Oh, so they all, they all yeah, the era of the Chris, the uh, Heath Ledger Joker has ended, I think. Now it's all going to be the damn new good one. version of the Joker. I don't think anybody will beat Heath. That was, no. I was no. that was unbelievable. And I like the Jack Nicholson Joker. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. That was great. Way way yeah. back, absolutely. That's so sad that he can't work anymore. No, that's terrible. No, he can't. He's, he's got dementia. He's got real dementia. Bad. Yeah. Oh, he really does. Bad dementia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's not. Good. I'm gonna really miss. Yeah, you him never see him at Laker games anymore. No, no, he didn't come out at all anymore. I guess. Oh. And every year, that drool the, bucket's too hard to carry around. Exactly. <laughs> I would watch the first five minutes of the of the Academy Awards just because he would come out and go. To all you women out there, you're never gonna get Jack. <laughs> <laughs> every year, he'd make an announcement how you were never gonna get him. Yeah. <laughs> wonderful. Well, he was such a good actor, and he oh, could do God, anything romantic comedies. My uh, girlfriend lives in Portland, and I was there a few weeks ago. And uh, Maine we took or Oregon. Little, we uh, Oregon, and Oregon. we took a trip down to. Um, Salem, and we went to the. It's the Mental Health Museum, oh. and it's it's where they filmed One Flew Over the Cuckoo's yeah, Nest. Yeah, which I mean, it's eerie to be there, and I and, bet. and Oregon <laughs> had a really terrible um, system, but um, yeah, you, I couldn't wait to get out of there. Richard Liberty, but they sell his little the beanie hat that he wore yeah. in the film. Yeah. They're selling it at the. And really? the gift shop, and it's at <laughs> Oregon Mental Health Museum on the on the beanie hat. You know, I'm gonna have to get out there. I'm gonna have to get out there. Get one. You ever been in a mental institution? I mean, not as a patient, but ever visited anyone? No. It's not comfortable. Mm. I will tell you because my father was institutionalized when I was a kid. Mm. Going in, watching people talk to no one's really hard. Because mm-hmm. when you're a little kid, you go, "Who's he talking to?" He's just an actor rehearsing his lines. <laughs> yeah, <that's> probably what it was. Best of the Tom Bernard Podcast. On the road again. Just can't wait to get on the road again. The life I love is making music with my friends. And I can't wait to get Tom Rhodes again. again. I'm the best on of the, the Tom Bernard again. Podcast. Coming up next, we had Gavin Edwards talking about Mr. Rogers and why we need him now more than ever. I couldn't agree more. Next on The Best Of. On the road again. <laughs> Apparently we have our guest. Oh no, not yet. Oh, we just have Mr. Rogers. No, I thought just maybe Mr. Rogers. This neighborhood, not the neighborhood. Yeah. 
I know it's one of those things where you. I swear, I said it this way. Well, I've never known the words to any song except for "Happy Birthday" in my life. So I just loved how Mr. Rogers would flip his shoes around. Yep. And put on that beautiful blue cardigan. <laughs> the powder blue cardigan. I never really. I never watched I it. Much. I don't remember anything. Oh, oh you'd no. feed the fish. Yeah, he would go. Yeah, let's see. Let me see if I can remember his routine. He'd walk into the door, and then he would feed the fish. Do you know why I he would he always say, his... I'm feeding yeah. the fish? Why? Because there was a blind girl that watched, listened to Mr. Oh. Rogers, and she wrote in, and he didn't say anything about the fish for a while, so she was like, I'm concerned that the fish are going to die. You keep forgetting oh. to feed the fish, and so every single time he'd say, I'm feeding the fish, so she wouldn't be worried about feeding Oh, that's fish. so cute. What was that movie about him? It There's was been a, a couple, but yeah. There the was just most one like last, one. yeah, last oh, kind of like a, do- a documentary. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. What's this? It one? was called "A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood," and it, it talked about that people turned against him for a while, and they were demonizing people, Mr. Rogers. People like, turn yeah. against everything. <laughs> it was just like, what do you got to do? Yeah, there was a to have day in the neighborhood. Nice to you. There was "Won't You Be My Neighbor," and then there was "America's Favorite Neighbor." Mm-hmm. So it was the last one. At least three. It was the last. It was the most a beautiful, recent a beautiful one. day is the one that came out this year in yeah. oh, like two weeks. Never mind. It comes no, out in two weeks. That's <laughs> yes. the Tom Tom Hanks one. Yes. Is that that's the third one? Uh, or is that the fourth one? Among the ones that I could find so far, yeah, that's the third one. But. Yeah, I'm sure more, there's been more. Yeah, this was like more of like a documentary. I think you told us about yes, that, I did. Alex. I can't remember what it's called though. It was at least at least a year ago. Maybe. Uh, you're probably thinking of "Won't You Be My Neighbor"? That was yeah. 2018. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and then that was talking yeah. about how you know he was getting flack for having a gay guy on his show and a black guy on his show, and people were pushing back about something else. He was was he political? Is no, it? there was something about... He was pro-PBS funding. That's the main political thing I'm yeah, aware of. Yeah, because he, w- he went, ab- yeah. went in front of a committee. Yeah. Uh, right. um, I think it was a congressional committee <laughs> or something like that, because I think they were trying to defund public programming. And he, Is he that came, why people turned on him, though? I can't remember what the whole well, thing was all about. He, but people were getting yeah, really well, of course mean he's, to him. He's going to go up and defend it, because that's his paycheck. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's secondary gain on his part. Absolutely, mm-hmm. but I think he was—he he was trying to stress that this is important for children for education and stuff like that. Uh, and our government—that's in our government should be edutain, educating our children. Yeah. Well, and he probably was com- you know, going up against the fact that other people were starting to get into children's entertainment and getting more hyper and crazy, and maybe mm-hmm. he was losing some. I'm sure he was at the know, end. viewership too, Ma- and maybe he had a sense that that wasn't correct. You know, maybe he had a vision that that wasn't correct, and maybe he was right. And Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood went until 2001. So, you know, by then, The Simpsons was there, Family Guy was there, SpongeBob was there. All those cartoons we were talking about had infiltrated and (laughs) taken over the market. Ren and Stimpy were gone. Ren and Stimpy were gone by then, yeah. When did Nickelodeon come into existence? At, At least the 80s. If not earlier. Was that the 80s? Yeah. The Disney Channel was That was probably late the late 80s, I think. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe late 80s. No, because they had I remember Mickey Radio Mouse Disney. Club and all that. Well, yeah. Oh, Nickelodeon was 77. Yeah. Oh, really? That old? Who knew? Yeah. Disney Channel was 83. 83. Everything's earlier than we think. And is Nickelodeon part of Disney now? 
I don't no. think so. No, Nickelodeon is separate. Yeah, they're okay. separate. I think Nickelodeon made so much money in the 80s and 90s that they own... Are they Oh, no, they're of... owned by Viacom. Which, right, right, right. That's right. Uh, okay. Let's see. Viacom also owns MTV, Comedy Central, VH1, BET, Logo. So, yeah. They're part of a gigantic, massive conglomerate. Yeah. Like everything is. Like everything. Although I do love SpongeBob. I'm sorry. I <laughs> yeah, I love that little sponge. And I, it, it is hyper. But we, I can't believe we, it's still going. I know it's crazy. We always seem to refer to some episode of SpongeBob. Yeah. The one where the one where the ghost ship was coming in oh, yeah. and SpongeBob <laughs> was getting it to parallel park, and it's just ripping the crap out the of the side. Dutchman. And he's like, "We're good. We're, we're good. good. You're good." And it's just tearing the it's ship just, apart. Yeah, it's just one of those dumb humor shows that I, I, I just found because he. Uh, my oldest boy, I always referred to him as kind of my human form version of SpongeBob. He was just so happy about stuff all the time, no matter what. So, oh. yeah, oh, the, the guest, guest is, is calling, calling in. in. Right oh. now. But uh, let me answer this. But talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> yeah, but I, yeah, it, and uh, when he when Pat Patrick every once in a while, you'll see somebody that looks just like Patrick. Sure <laughs> you just. I mean, you're like he looks like, and I was like Patrick Star. She's like, yes, <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I don't know. There was just something about SpongeBob that my kids really like. So that was like one show that we would sit down and watch together, you know, cartoon wise. That was really the only one we ever watched. Otherwise, they, you know, they were playing with cars or something like that. So yeah, yeah I mean, but if you just listen to it, it, you know, and not really pay attention to it, it's it's is very hyper and well, yeah. Very of course crazy. it is. Okay. We have our guest. We sure do. We have Gavin Edwards. Hey, Gavin, are you there? Hello. It might be just a little delay because they're connecting the call. Oh, oh so. okay. So are the OJs not calling in? No, no. we were scheduling them till for next week. So okay. We right. talked about that, Andy. Yeah, so uh, we have Gavin oh, on the line. Hi, Gavin. This is Catherine. How are Hello. you? Hi, we have Gavin Edwards here uh, promoting his book, Kindness and Wonder, Why Mr. Rogers Matters More Now Than Ever. We were just all, all talking about Mr. Rogers and the fact that some of us had watched that documentary and just how meaningful that show is to so many people. There, are you there? Gavin? Did we lose Gavin? Yes, I'm here. Ah, there Sorry, you are. Are we on? I'm hearing you just a... Were you, did you hear any of my <laughs> talking about your book? I think Gavin's uh, maybe, broken. Maybe we need uh, another... So, uh, maybe we need you to call back. I don't think the connection's very good. Yeah, I'm sorry. You sound like you're coming through a towel. I'm just having a very hard time hearing you. Okay, why don't we um, hang I'll, up I'll and... I'll call you back. Perfect. I, I can reconnect. That would be wonderful. I think some of it was that it wasn't in the form of a question. I don't know if he knew that he was supposed to answer that. Um, it was. Uh, it, I was not sure if we were on the air, but I was only picking out every other word. Hang on, hang on, Gavin. I'll reconnect. Yeah, that happens. Connections do that a lot. Yeah, especially on those conference calls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when they connect the call. Well, it's because oh. a conference call. Every person on there. Has a little bit less bandwidth to. Uh, mm-hmm. I to thought they hear. usually connected and then hung up. Mm, no, nope. I don't know. I don't you listen think to so. the entire. I don't know how interview? agents work. 
So, okay. but anyway, yes. anyway, we'll be talking about Mr. Rogers again. We're gonna stay in that Mr. Rogers, you know, theme and just stay calm and just yeah. <laughs> roll mm-hmm. with it. Oh, it's unfortunate that we couldn't take that call right now, but <laughs> I'm feeding the dog now. Yeah. Oh, here feeding we go. Let's see fish. if this will work. Okay, let me get it going. Gavin, are you there? Okay. Gavin's here. Gavin? Hello. Can you hear us better now? That's better. Oh, awesome. Yeah, thank you. Oh, good. Yeah, Andy, if you could turn his volume up a little bit. There we go. Okay. Hi there. We've got Gavin Edwards on the line. He's promoting his book, Kindness and Wonder, Why Mr. Rogers Matters Now More Than Ever. Um, We were just talking about Mr. Rogers quite a bit because we were anticipating your interview here. Why does Mr. Rogers matter now more than ever? Well, I feel like... You know, sort of, you can feel it in the air that uh, just like the world has gotten like nastier and cruder and louder yes. and just meaner. Um, and, uh, you know, sort of it's in like the drumbeat of the daily news and that sort of permeates into, you know, sort of like everyday life where it just feels like a constant assault. And, you know, like Mr. Rogers uh, had some just like deep fundamental uh, lessons to teach us. Uh, that, you know, sort of like and a lot of it was like slow down, you know, sort of like embrace the, the like who you are and the people around you. Be kind to each other, and like that's what we need to hear right now. I agree wholeheartedly. We talk about this on the show all the time. How nasty uh, social media has gotten, and just the news and politicians are horrible to each other. It's just a sad world out there. So. Do you see a replacement for Mr. Rogers, or is it just sort of a movement that you're thinking that we could all do together? I don't. I have no uh, person would say like. I don't think there's ever going to be another Mr. Rogers. That he was such a unique talent. Uh, uh, you know, he had all these different skills, ranging from you know, sort of like puppetry to music to his television ability that all came together at, like, exactly the right moment as, you know, sort of, like, the public television was starting, and he, just through stubbornness, he made, you know, sort of a show that had never been there before. But, uh, you know, you do see, like, he's not the only person who's ever tried to make the world a better place. Uh, You know, one of his uh, precepts uh, is that, you know, like, in times of disaster, when you see, like, a car crash on TV or a burning building, Look for the helpers. There are always going to be uh, people who are like in that image, you know, whether it's firemen or uh, emergency uh, medical technicians who are who are coming in to help other people. And you know, sort of that's certainly true today. And you know, Mr. Rogers fundamentally was a helper, uh, and there's other people now who can be helpers too. That's interesting. We were talking about other children's programming right now and how it's just gotten to be so hyper and loud and the the kids that are usually the stars are obnoxious and they don't listen and they're mean to each other. It's just, why do you think that entertainment for children has gone that way? Um, Well, uh, I think uh, that, you know, sort of people feel like this is what you need to do to get kids' attention. Um, that, you know, sort of like, you've got to have, like, sort of like the quick editing that you would have on, you know, sort of like a commercial for breakfast cereal. 
And, you know, sort of if it's not sort of like sassy and hip uh, and, you know, sort of like uh, uh, attitudinal, then like kids aren't going to respond to it. And it was so amazing, you know, like even, uh, you know, in his heyday, like, uh, you know, Fred Rogers was cutting against that. You know, he was uh, willing to like have a segment of a show where he would just fill up a fish tank with a hose full of water. <laughs> and it would take three, four minutes, yeah. mostly silent. And, uh, you know, he just sort of trusted that, you know, like, hey, we're not going to cut away. We're not going to jazz this up. You know, we're not going to have, like, sort of tap dancers come in. You know, sort of like, uh, and it was, it's calming still to watch the show in a way that, you know, many other TV shows then and now aren't. Uh, they, you know, sort of, uh, there's something that you feel enveloped in, you know, that sort of, like, peaceful nature and in his love. Do you think that Mr. Rogers would survive today? I well, I mean, he did survive for decades and decades. It wouldn't be he was very good at just uh, you know sort of fluffing off the parts of the world um, uh, that he thought like was not beneficial to children and focusing on uh, like uh, what he thought was best. So I don't know if anybody could get a show like that started now, but if he were still around, uh, like, you know, he is the person who would just sort of, like, put his head down and insist this is the way it should be done and make it happen. So you talked about the production of these uh, shows, the current uh, shows for children where it has to be fast cuts and it has to be, you know, all sorts of colors and all sorts of activity and things like that. What age group is that being edited for? Because my contention is between age about one and a half and about four, they don't know what that is. What they don't they don't they don't care. They don't. That's not important to them. They're just watching some movement and a quieting kind of a thing would be very beneficial for the younger people and for the parents. Right, and just like sometimes they're just responding to like, hey, like brightly colored stuff on uh, TV. Uh, I mean. I'm not up on all the latest studies, but I've certainly seen uh, said that you just like, you know, the very youngest children under two really shouldn't have any screen time at all. Um, uh, that, you know, it just sort of like, it does them much better to like just not be watching TV until they get older. Well, I, I, everywhere I go, I see parents looking at their phone, they're out to dinner, mm-hmm. their children are either watching a movie with headphones on so they're not engaging at all in their surroundings when they're out to dinner it's like why go out Mm -hmm. i don't understand Mm -hmm. i know i know it is very i mean i'm uh, you know it's uh, it's very uh, you know distractions are everywhere um and uh, you know so we live in an adhd world and uh, you know i i'm as i find it as tempting as anyone uh that i've always been the sort of person who's been reading like six books at once you know sort of like i read a chapter of one and then i skip over to the next and it's very easy to feel like oh uh, you know sort of like i'm plugged into like lots of different things i've got this like real breadth of knowledge and that's like exciting but one of the fundamental lessons that you know sort of like Mr. Rogers believed and preached, and it's one that's hard for me to hear, but I really try, but he said, be deep and simple. Um, and he so strongly believed that, you know, sort of like strip out the complexities, you will find more by being deep and simple. And many of the most rewarding things in my own life come when I put that into action, when I 
sit down and I work on one project like a jo- uh, like a book for a sustained period of time, or the bonds I have with my family, or like when I'm settled down in a neighborhood, and so. Everything in the world is telling you do the opposite, being you know sort of like shiny and complicated and uh, uh, scattered. But uh, I really try to take be deep and simple and put it into action. We need to take a quick break. Can you stay with us? Do you have more time, or do you need to move? I would on? be happy to. Okay, we'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back with Gavin Edwards. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry. This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Saber and Bryant, whatever it takes. It's Tom, and I'm thrilled to let you know that due to the tremendous results and success from hundreds of people like me, that the 40-day Ultimate Weight Loss Program powered by Nutrimost has opened a second location, conveniently located in Edina at France Avenue and 494. With this program, you can lose an average of 26.2 pounds in just 40 days. If you're serious about losing weight, feeling years younger and healthier, then this is for you. Ultimate's plan is the only weight loss plan to be strong, science certified for efficacy and safety. Schedule an immediate consultation in their newly Dyna location or in Plymouth or attend their free dinner at 6.30 p.m. on Monday, October 14th at Tavern on France Avenue in Edina. Call now, 763-333-7337. That's 763-333-7337. Study data comes from client-submitted data to a third party for tracking of daily weight loss and progress through the Nutrimost Weight Loss Programs. See website for full disclaimer details, ultimatewl.com. Okay, we're back with Gavin Edwards. He's uh, promoting his book, Kindness and Wonder, Why Mr. Rogers Matters Now More Than Ever. Uh, I see you've written quite a few books. Oh, my goodness. Let's see. We're at 11. 11 books. You are really a prolific True. writer. <laughs> He's written for the New York Times, <laughs> Wired, Billboard, GQ, and appeared on television programs including The Today Show, Entertainment Tonight, and Jeopardy. He's also moonlighted as a game designer, a photographer, and a demolition derby driver. Mm-hmm. Had a very interesting mm-hmm. life. And now you're writing yeah, a book it's, about. Uh, it's been fun. I've gotten to do a lot of have a lot of adventures. Uh, you know, usually when I'm writing about it, it's been nice uh, to have uh, you know sort of some things that I do, and then sometimes just you know sort of getting to like be in the world of somebody else. Uh, like uh, Fred Rogers or Bill Murray yes, or uh, Tom Hanks, and really just sort of immerse myself into their world. Walter Mitty-esque. Yes. Do you know? It's interesting. We've been talking about Mr. Rogers being, you know, the, or the series of the the programming being non-existent or not available now. But is there? Is it still available? And is there still viewership? Do some parents who have watched Mr. Rogers have their children sure. watch it now? Um, so. Um, the show itself is no longer in uh, rotation on most PBS stations. Um, um, it is, uh, there's lots of DVD sets, uh, most of them, you know, sort of uh, very affordable. And it also is streaming on Amazon Prime. Not uh, every episode ever, but dozens and dozens, as many as you could really ever ask for. Um, and, you know, its uh, successor is a uh, show called uh, Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood. Yes. Uh, which is made by... 
the production company uh, that also made uh, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. And it's uh, it's a cartoon. You know, it's... Uh, uh, I don't... Uh, love it the same way as I uh, did Mr. Rogers when I was a kid, but they're definitely trying to sort of, like, keep the same spirit going. Yeah, Alex, Fawn watches Daniel Tiger, right? Every once in a while, yes. I love Daniel Tiger. It is very, yeah, it's very <laughs> calm and sweet, and my boys watched it. They learn good lessons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, I mean, that's... Yeah, bo- it's, uh, you can see that, you know, they've learned from uh, the master, uh, that you're like, okay, it's, you know, it's a hard thing. Everyone answers this question differently to themselves. You know, like, if you believe in, like, what Mr. Rogers taught you, what's the best way of implementing it in the 21st century? Well, he certainly, I mean, I, my kids watched him growing up. Everybody seems to have uh, a soft spot for Mr. Rogers. It seemed like there was all, all of a sudden, when my kids were little, a divide between the Sesame Street kids and the Mr. Rogers kids. And it wasn't necessarily always an age thing. It was primarily, I think, a personality yeah, I mean, thing. And they, were, they came on the air around the same time. Um, and they had you know, sort of a friendly rivalry, like even behind the scenes. Uh, that, you know, and it's interesting because uh, Mr. Rogers, you know, sort of firmly believed um, that his... Uh, focus on, like, sort of emotional growth was more appropriate for preschool children than, like, drilling them on letters and numbers. But he respected that, like, they're, that they're, they had good intentions and uh, that, you know, they also, like, made a contribution. So he would never say an unkind word about them. Uh, but uh, he actually once had uh, a big bird visit the show um, and uh, came into the neighborhood of make-believe. And uh, perhaps tellingly, uh, uh, the week that he came to visit the show was uh, when the theme of the week was competition. I have I had a friend who was a teacher in an inner city school, and she used to show those kids um, really old shows like Leave It to Beaver, and they would cry. Okay, they would watch these shows and cry because it was a world that they couldn't even understand. I mean, it was like a really tough neighborhood where, you know, you didn't really have the support of a family a lot of times. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I mean, Mr. Rogers basically brought that kind of supportive message to everybody as well. Yeah, you definitely felt that he was just a very loving person. Like, I'd watch it, I'd feel so loved and calm, and I'm just like, it was almost like he was giving you a hug with his words. I don't know. It, there was something about Mr. Rogers that that was wonderful and just, you know, it was like you you wanted to have him in your home every day as yeah. a family member, you know. But uh, right. I don't know. And, and I think, you know, so then you did have him in your home, and now you have him in your heart. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's sort of one of the things I really hope uh, that, you know, sort of the book helps, like, reawaken in people is, you know, sort of, it's easy to, you know, sort of, he means so much to you because, like, he gave you that daily hug. Mm-hmm. And just remembering that that's there, uh, you know, like, you know, most people don't think about it, like, when they're 16 or 17 or even when they're uh, 26. But, like, be reminded of what he meant to you and say, how do I then, like, reflect that out and, you know, sort of, like, help, the, you know, sort of, like, take what I learned from him and apply it to the world around me. Mm-hmm. Well, I love the fact that, you know, he... 
he played uh, with your imagination as a child and like we were talking about with the nurturing all that stuff for a developmental children i mean those years before even six seven years old that's all fundamentally important stuff so that people can learn to get along i mean we just live in such a contentious world right now where everybody mm-hmm. i want the credit and i want this and i you know it's well, just well, why haven't sad. some of those lessons carried on into social media and the in the, the emotional and intellectual violence that you see in social media why well, is it not mr. carried Rod- forward mr rogers went off the air before twitter <laughs> i know but but, but but the but the minds that were touched by him are now on the the last minds that were touched by him are now on social media and you know you have all this emotional violence there's no there's no uh, buffering of that uh, sort of stuff he went well, off the air when 20 what did you say 2001 2001 2001 so so t- well it's kind of that out of sight out of mind thing if you if you're not da- if you don't have that daily kind of affirmation of somebody like a mr rogers you kind of lose it you know but you, you said that an adult would need mr rogers to tell them not to <laughs> a be lot of adults a need jerk, mr rogers jerk on twitter <laughs> well and there's a lot of people that aren't on twitter for these very reasons yeah. mm-hmm. you know? oh, and, and maybe that's the answer is the people that are not on twitter are the people who have carried forward mr rogers sort of values exactly. and his approach approach to life yeah because Twitter is certainly not a Mr. Rogers vibe. I mean, later in his life, uh, Mr. Rogers like uh, would speak at a lot of college graduations, and uh, you know, even when he wasn't doing uh, the show in the final couple of years of his life, he basically tried to remind adults of the lessons that he had taught. Um, and you know, sort of, uh, you know, people get on Twitter, and you know, it's not his fault that they're not always uh, thinking about uh, what they taught. But like, you know, sort of, uh, every now and then you do see like moments of kindness on Twitter, like sort of like, like a flower growing out of the crack of a pavement or something. Yeah, and so, you know, sort of, I think the thing is to like embrace that moment and water that flower and uh, try to do what you can. Yeah, we all get confused when somebody's nice on Twitter, unfortunately. But yeah, it's just, it, it, it's a sad world, but, and I agree, we do need Mr. Moore, Mr. Rogers more in our lives. We're talking to Gavin Edwards. He's written a book called Kindness and Wonder, why Mr. Rogers matters now more than ever. He's an accomplished writer, and you can get your, his uh, this book at Amazon and everywhere. I'm guessing. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, everywhere books are sold. Do you have a Do you have a website you'd like to promote? Um, uh, I have a website. The easiest way to get to it is GavinEdwards.com. And ironically enough, I am on Twitter, <laughs> but hopefully not in a hostile way. Um, and Mr. Davinet, M R G A V I N E D W A R D S. Great. Well, thank you for your time, sir. Well, good luck with the book. Thank you for a lovely conversation. I've enjoyed being here. Thank you. Bye bye. Now, now there's somebody who's carrying the Mr. Rogers philosophy. I know, I love it. Gonna... I mean, I really do because I mean, it's it's interesting. Tom and I, every once in a while, every fall, for some strange reason, we decide we're going to go back to church. Yeah, yeah it doesn't usually randomly. last long. No, it like twice <laughs> but, a year, you're like, we're going to church for two weeks. I know because you start feeling like. You know, it's like you just you're driving down the street and everybody is just they're swerving around and they're not even paying attention that there's other people on the road and you go into a grocery store and people are cutting in front of you and they're bumping and people and you go on social media and people are mean. I mean, we've had some wonderful experiences. We had that smile network thing at our house. People couldn't have been nicer. We raised a lot of money for charity. We go to these things and people are doing wonderful work. 
for lots of things, but it just seems like the day-to-day living, just people just are getting less kind to each They're other. They're becoming mm-hmm. more and more New Yorkish. Best of the Tom Bernard Podcast. It's you. I like. It's not the things you wear. It's not the way you do your hair. But it's you. I like. That was Gavin Edwards on the best of. Coming up next, closing out the show. We're opening up the vaults. All the way back to episode number 119 with Roy Wood Jr. Next on the best of. Every part of you. Didn't make one mistake. Flawless. <laughs> I was completely You're professional, sir. <sighs> I'd like to think so. I used to stumble through sponsorships. No. To the point where they would get mad, and then the next day <laughs> you'd have to read it again. <laughs> There's always some stupid place that's only sponsoring something for like a week and a half. Oh, yeah. There was um, some clean urine center or something. I, I don't know what it was. Some, clean urine center. One, one of those websites. <laughs> one of those websites where you can order clean urine if you snort a lot of coke and sure. you don't want your bus driving supervisor to find out. You drive this route cranked up on the powder. And we had, yeah, this print call brought to you by Clean Urine. Do you need clean urine? I'm like, dude, really? They're mad. That was on the radio. Oh, yes, absolutely. And what was, it, what was the station on? This is uh, 95.7 Jams. This is down in uh, Birmingham. In Birmingham, yeah. Alabama. 95.7 Jams. Yeah, Dr. Dave voice <laughs> over, yeah. Nice. I like it. I like it. Where was Arnetta the Mood Setter working? <laughs> I don't know. Arnetta the Mood <laughs> Setter. Remember her? Yes. Oh, we had this like, bitch. That's got to be like Hotline or something. Yeah. Be, no, I think that was Miami. The was one Miami? that was, was on the air and she just Heart cursed out her bosses and everything. You know what's funny? <laughs> every jock, everybody, no matter what your job is, you have that, this is what I'm going to do when they screw me over. Oh, yeah. Move. Oh, Mine yeah. was honey and sweet tea over all the electronics in the um, oh, engineering oh, room. Like, for the people who don't know, like every radio station has like this brain new it's just a room full of computers and machinery that runs all the stations and i just want to go in there with just a cup of sweet tea from chick-fil-a and just chunk it specifically chick-fil-a because it's extra sweet so the granules will get down into the little electrodes that was going to be my move man that would have cost them Hundreds of thousands of dollars. Either that or going to the computer. This is too meticulous. And I want you to know, I am a good person deep down. But I, I learned that gonna, this morning, yes. I was going to put, like, loop in one curse word at the end of every commercial that's in the system. So no matter what radio oh, yeah. station it is, come on down to blah, 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 forward. Beep, 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 beep. 20% off. You know, we actually did that somebody on the KQ Morning Show about 25 years oh, ago. Oh, really? And the guy reads the copy. Oh, It was unbelievable. I want to do it with that, but it's like, honestly, he's reading it like this. The Smile Network, together, we are constructing lives one bright, smiling face at a time. Fuck you. <laughs> and he read, fuck you. It's like, did you really think we were going to run an ad that said fuck you at the end of it? Uh, no, we're not going to be running that. But, but he read it. Nice. 
And then the next time, he, he said, you'd never fool me again. So the next time, Tony Lee wrote in... <laughs> So come in, come in sometime this week. Die, aliens die. <laughs> and he read, die, aliens die. Die, aliens die. <laughs> he'll, nice. he'll never fool me again. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess we could. Roy Woods Jr. is at Acme all weekend long tonight, tomorrow night, Saturday night. This is kind of nice now because we just, as, as I told Roy, this is our uh, fourth day in the studio here and uh it's nice because we're in the same building as uh, acme comedy club so you didn't have to freeze too much to get here no nah, i don't mind the walk i'm okay with it cold remind let you know you're alive i'll take cold over heat any day really dude i grew up in the south man that's yeah. that punch you in the face heat like what like <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, people don't, like i get the whole oh you have to warm your car up 30 minutes before you want to go somewhere here or whatever mm-hmm. i'd rather that then sit on leather seats in July oh. in Birmingham. Yeah. The yeah. sizzling sound that your skin makes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You sit down. And that's why I don't go to church in the summer. It's too hot. Too like, hot. Like, you want me to come to your church? Covered park and Reverend. Put some money in that. <laughs> parking out in the heat and then come and listen to you babble for three hours and then go sit back. My legs have Whopper grill marks on them. <laughs> From the searing leather, I'd take frostbite any day. So that's why they're yelling, oh, Lord, in there. I was shocked this morning. I would, I would do that if I was a southern preacher. I'd have a retractable roof church. Sure. And just in the middle of the sermon, just open up the roof. Do you feel that? That's the hell. That's the devil. Bring the money up front. You want air conditioning. Uh, Yes. I I was shocked this morning, and I pointed it out on the air, KQ, by the way, that that a black comedian, Roy Woods Jr., was in studio, and Philip wasn't attacking him. For some reason, Philip, I don't know why he does that, but but then Roy said, does he attack all the black? Yeah, people, just all black guests. Period. He, he start honestly. God, if a black person comes into the studio, he goes, "You know, we have a rule here, and we just we just reach the limit. There's two of us, yeah, and that's, that's the only one. That's only supposed to be one. <laughs> but there's two black people in here. But he didn't do that to you. Nah, I, I you know, it's, it's it's it was a warming feeling. You know, I, I think. <laughs> yeah, maybe he thought I was mixed. He, <laughs> he was confused. He wasn't sure. Well, you talked about the difference between Southern blacks and Northern blacks, and that got him all confused, I think. Yeah, you know, Southern blacks are just so nice and polite and just, hey, man, what's going on? <laughs> Everything, no problem. Everything's good. You good? I'm good. You know, up here, it's it's totally different. People are cold. It's no time for chit-chat. Hey, man, what's going on? Nothing. Close the door. Beat your ass. I'm like, okay, well, you don't have to beat my ass, sir. I just we are we speaking. Are, we are fast talkers up here. I consulted a station, uh, WHUR, uh, which is a Howard University station in D.C. Yeah. And the sales manager, this woman named Jeanette, was the slow-talking black Southern woman. Where you know, I'd be like, hey, we got to talk about your digital stuff. It should be great. You know, I'm going to put that all together for you, and everything should be. Like, Slow down, honey. <laughs> like, no. Just, you know, I've been here for 40 years. That's the hardest part about calling home to my mom, because yeah. I've been in L.A. so long now that my communication style is very big city now. Yeah. And my mom is from rural Mississippi, south of Memphis in the Delta, and pretty much been in the south her whole life. And she's one of those people where she can't call and get to what she wants there has to be the how you doing, how your people doing, what's going on over here. Like, 
I will answer the phone literally. Uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, the door is closed. Turn your phones off. Uh, turn the phone off. And my mom calls. And I answer. I go, Mom, I got 30 seconds. You sound like you have a cold. <laughs> <laughs> Where you going? Mind the door. The plane door is closing. Where you going? Minneapolis. Oh, my goodness. You have your coat? You should probably take more vitamin C. I saw a picture of you on Facebook. You getting fat. Mom, what do you want? <laughs> sir, you have to turn your phone off, sir. Yeah, yeah, sir. Now I'm a terrorist because my yeah. mom can't talk fast. <laughs> Well, that's kind of how it is. Actually, and I hope no one takes this the wrong way, but, you know, when I moved to Jacksonville, Florida in 1977 to work at WAPE, the big ape in Jacksonville, Florida, mm -hmm. from Minneapolis. And <laughs> so I'm kind of, you know, walking around getting to know the town all the rest. And the people, Jacksonville is not Florida. It's the deep south. It's South Georgia. Yeah. It is South Georgia. It's yeah, literally it just South Georgia. It is. But what's interesting, I went into a, to a, a Jiffy Mart. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, one thing I, I went to college about. in Tallahassee, so we had many a drunken road trip to Jacksonville. So. No, did you? Yeah, it hasn't changed. Very rednecky. So two things happened. <laughs> I, walk in, I walked in that Jiffy Mart, and there was a big guy, this guy, the white guy. He's about 6'3", probably weighs about 400 pounds. Big, big guy. And he's got five candy bars in each hand. Nice. And he walks up to the counter, and the guy behind the counter goes, "Have a little dinner tonight." He goes, "Them's for after supper." <laughs> <laughs> Them's for after supper. Okay, so the next thing that happened, this this uh, probably about twelve year old young black kid walks in front of me, and he goes, "He says, excuse me, sir." I was like, "What?" Because where I grew up, yeah. up here, nobody's saying, excuse me, sir. You know what I mean? That's the difference between the South and, and the North, though. Young kids in the South are still polite. Don't you find that to be true? Yeah, it's definitely a lot. I mean, I was raised like that. I mean, it's it's weird because it puts you in weird positions where you're polite first and then someone just stomps all over it. So then it makes you more upset and angry. <laughs> Like I, like, I do stupid stuff. Like, I still hold the door open for whatever idiot's two steps behind me when I'm going yeah. in a business. And then you come in and you don't say thank you. Right. I think you're an ass. And, yeah. like, sometimes every now and then you can get them back where you open the first door and they don't <laughs> say thank you. So there's the second set of yep, doors yep. before you get in. I sprint ahead of them to that door and close. <laughs> and I, as I'm coming through the door, I donkey kick it closed. <laughs> Back behind me. Well, that's what they get for not saying thank you. I'm, I've become very, I don't know, angrier as I've gotten older. I don't you know have? Oh, absolutely. And like the little stuff like that ticks me off. Like people wow. who don't. How hard is that? How hard is it to say thank you? I know, but nobody will do it. You know what? They think it makes them. They did a, a psychological study, and people think, men and women, think it makes them look weak to be polite. Isn't that weird? That's. That's to stupid. be polite or to accept politeness? Well, yeah. just to be polite, they think, shows weakness. Isn't that bizarre? I don't A little. I, uh, I understand it to a degree. I mean, because if you're a thug, mm -hmm. let's just say, because you look like a gangster. Thank you. And <laughs> let's just say, you know. North side? You're walking, <laughs> pants sagging, you got your headphones on, your $400 Dre beat. 
headphones. <laughs> sure. You got a sack of weed in your back pocket. <laughs> yes. And some nice lily white man holds the door open for you as you and your homies come in to go on your shoplifting spree. Appreciate that, brother. <laughs> it's not gangster. It's not no, gangster. it's not. It's not gangster. Instantly, so that's you're it. no longer intimidated. I can't rob you. You're not scared of me. I said thank you when you opened the door. You got to. That's a good point. I mean, you got a point. There's no question about. It. Yeah, it's not gangster. Definitely not. I think chivalry is weak. You think, do, yeah, to some degree. Being nice to women is not a good no, thing. No, no, not being. I, I think. For women to want power and all of that, and I'm not trying my best to tiptoe around this without putting my foot in my damn mouth. <laughs> okay. But there's something about, to me, like my girl, my girl likes to hold hands. And, all right, I'll do it because that's what you want. But in my brain, I can't get over it feeling like some sort of, you're mine, come with me, tramp. <laughs> hold my hand. You're with me. Like, I don't know how, it, like, it makes it feel. And, and maybe not all chivalry, but definitely holding hands to yeah. some degree. To me, in my brain, feels like some, come on here, woman, don't make me beat you again. <laughs> Depends on if she's trailing behind or if well, she's that, side that, by and side. And that's the problem. That a, yeah, that's the yeah, problem yeah. is that she walks slower than me. And I'm like, yeah. look, if we're going to hold hands, you got to shoulder to shoulder. That's in love. But if yeah. you're half a step behind, it's abusive. Now I look like an ass who's look at him dragging her through the grocery store. Can you believe that prick? <laughs> so your girlfriend, is she from Los Angeles? Uh, no, she's from Huntsville. Oh, she's from Huntsville? Yeah, right up the road. We both live in L.A. I mean, that was, I mean the funny thing is we met in Los Angeles. Really? We grew up an hour from each other. Yeah? And never knew her, never saw her until I got to L.A. and popped up in a couple of improv classes and that was it. Where'd you take improv classes? Uh, at the Laugh Factory. I okay. quit immediately. <laughs> uh, improv is hard. Dude. It is hard. I did like, it for 10 years. It's God bless hard. you. I, I made it three months, and I just... And this isn't even some second city super... This is some yeah. intro to improv. <laughs> like, in hindsight, they're probably probably just raping kids for money or whatever. I mean, they were teaching some base stuff, but... Stand up. I, I, the problem is that I'd done stand up too long. Yeah. And by year seven or eight, you're so me, me, me on stage. And improv is about you, 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 and yeah. us. Never me. And I want to help you. And then we both look good when we help each other. And screw that. This is my joke. <laughs> I thought of it. I want respect at the end of this sketch. Why are you talking? Shut up. I'm talking right now. Don't overtalk me while I'm trying to get to my punchline. So I had too much, and I couldn't let yeah. go of it. And improv is either really good or oh, it's God. so yeah. incredibly unbearable oh. to watch. It's one of the two. Sometimes it works, yeah, but a no lot of between. times it doesn't. I wish I'd have stuck with it. I mean, there's yeah. been a trend where you know Hollywood for probably the past decade has turned more to improv actors to carry uh, film and television more so than comedians. I think it's tur- the needle's turning back now, but... You know, there was a stretch there between Steve Carell and Tina Fey's of the world, oh, yeah. and you look at a show like Modern Family, it's a hit, and there's not a single stand-up on it. I mean, you just yeah. have to be a funny actor. That, in the fact, I think they started discovering that comedians do too many drugs, and most of them can't act. <laughs> like, I'm serious. Like, if you're a comedian and you're funny and you have a following and you can act, the world is yours. Like, That's it's, true. Because it's so few of them. You can be hilarious. But I know stories about comics who literally can't read. And I'm like, that is just the most baffling shit. How are you writing material and you can't read? Like, 
how does that happen? And, and like, <laughs> I know. And you, you trick them. You trick them for years on stage because you're just talking and sharing your thoughts. But then you go, yeah, I want a TV show. And they go, great. Here's the script. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let me get back to you on that. Go do this cocaine. <laughs> Take care of it. With that reading. Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Please visit audiblepodcast.com slash tbpodcast for your free audiobook download. Audible is the Internet's leading provider of spoken audio entertainment, providing digital versions of tens of thousands of audiobooks for download to your computer, smartphone, and MP3 player. Listen whenever and wherever you want, just like the podcast you're listening to right now. Audible has over 100,000 titles to choose from, every genre. Audible has it covered. Get a free audiobook download when you sign up today at audiblepodcast.com slash tbpodcast. The books I recommend this week, Private London, James Patterson, Shavar, Karen Robards, Killing Kennedy by Bill O'Reilly, and The Last Man by our guy, Vince Flynn, audible.com. You read that Steve Jobs book, the biography? No, you know what? People tell me it's really good. Solid. Really? You like book. it? I, I pretty much only read <clears throat> biographies and autobiographies. Oh, really? And, that's, and that was a pretty good one. So why did you like it? It, he was an interesting yin and yang type dude. He was a bit of he was an ass. He was vindictive, yeah, but yeah, he had a hell of a work ethic and yep. a lot of focus and ingenuity. And that dude, like the little the little stuff he would do to screw with companies, like this is I found this interesting to me. It, um, the iPad, I think. I think it's the iPad and the iPhone, but the iPad doesn't support Flash. Right, yeah. yeah. The basic video. Yep. The iPhone doesn't either. I don't okay. think any Apple product does except for Mac. Except for the Mac, yeah. yeah. Doesn't support this Flash, Adobe, which pretty much all websites use. The reason is that years earlier when Apple wasn't shit back in the 80s and they needed software providers to help make their products relevant, Bill um, Steve Jobs basically begged Adobe to make software for the um, the old Apple IIe and all the old computers. Yeah. And Adobe goes, no, nah, you're not relevant. Shut up. We're not building anything. You don't need our dev- – no. <laughs> and he remembered that. Like that that's exactly how the conference call went. <laughs> yes. Fuck you. We're not giving you Flash for that irrelevant device that's not going to sell. No one's going to buy a Mac ever. Screw your company. And he remembered that shit for like 20, 30 years. And then when the iPad came out and it was the hottest thing ever, listen, uh, can we make some flash for your thing that's going to sell millions and millions of copies? Nope. <laughs> nope. Sorry. Just a big grudge holder. That's all it was. There yeah. was no uh, – he, he, you hide behind the well, it's technologically inferior. Yeah, for, yeah. But, that's what they're nah, – That's just is. gibberish. It's just straight up screw you back for what you did to me back in 81 or whenever yeah. it was. Andy is uh, speculation that that uh, iTunes Apple's really suffering now because uh, Steve Jobs was such a uh, such a micromanager that they don't know what the hell they're doing right now. No, they don't. It's the snake. <clears throat> the snake lost his head. Pretty much is yeah. where they're just going. Look, iPad, iPad Mini. I'm sorry. Is that an iPad Mini or a really fat iPhone? Yeah, really. <laughs> it's, it's somewhere I'm in sorry. between. <laughs> Look, more memory. That's all they keep doing now. Yeah. Like, Apple can't come out with anything new. They just keep reinventing what Steve Jobs left them. We'll be on iPad 28 yeah. <laughs> in a few more years. But, yeah, that was a good book, man. Like, all those autobiographies, there's some weird ones. 
Dennis Rodman was a weird one. Oh, I bet. The first one. He wrote like two or three. Two or three? Yeah, which is why my new rule, I don't buy your autobiography until you're dying or dead. Yeah. You got to be on the back end. Like a, yeah. best, a best of. Technique. Yeah, when you're writing an autobiography at 32 and you just retired from the Bulls or the Lakers or whatever, it's eh, some good Madonna stories in there. But yeah. other than that, it's like you still got living to do, man. Go make more mistakes and you can have a better book. My favorite so far of any autobiography was uh, Charles. Charles Barkley? Yep. Yeah. He, he claimed he was misquoted in his autobiography. <laughs> Who's afraid of a large black man? <laughs> He's I, have that one. I have that one. Um, Larry King's wasn't bad either. Nine marriages. Seven or eight marriages. Somewhere in there. Yeah, it is somewhere. It's like seven or eight. You're yeah. right about that. Yeah, he's, he's, it's funny because he's just like, yeah, I don't date. I just marry chicks. He I'm does. Like, really? That's what he does. I would be the complete opposite. Where is Charles from originally? He's from Leeds, Alabama. It's like a 20 minutes out of Birmingham. Have you ever heard him say the word crazy? That's just crazy. He says crazy. Crazy. It's like C R A Z U H. That's crazy. That's terrible. He does. That's exactly what he does. Terrible. I'm like, is that just an Alabama thing or what? That's crazy. That's crazy. I have so much respect for him for just yeah. being so idiotically opinionated. <laughs> oh, yes. yeah, he is. He lives life with no filter, which is no. how I think we should all live. Yeah. And it's so amusing. <laughs> like, I would, I would totally want to speak. He's one of those guys that. I would never speak to, but I have so much respect for even the idiotic crap he says. It makes no sense. I'm still, you know what, man? Good for you, Charles. You're endorsed by Weight Watchers, and then you just talk trash about it <laughs> off the air. And don't know your microphone's yeah. on. Like that's just oh, we, yeah. isn't it great? All the money we get to just sit here and talk, man. I, I don't be drinking at Weight Watchers for real. I need some nachos. <laughs> like, this is great. Ryan for Sky You Ma on another episode of the Best of the Tom Bernard Podcast, brought to you as always by Bradshaw and Bryant. Great clips this week from Tom Rhodes, Gavin Edwards, and Roy Wood Jr. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we will see you next week. <laughs>